Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Yeah, no walk. Nice strikeout. Only four hits. And three. Homer. That sucks. One bourbon. You uh, Darvish running down his game and getting into the spirit of Saturday Sunday. And that song signals the return of Paul Sullivan. He joins us on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline. Alpamonte Ford, 500 new and used vehicles to choose from. Sully, so you Darvish kind of kind of just summed it up right there. And uh, the three homers, that sucks. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. Last year, uh, we didn't even know he spoke hardly any English, and now he's swearing in fluent English. So <laughs> hey, he's, it's he's, very much progress. There. He's fluent in potty mouth, American yes. potty mouth, yes. So um, that was that was quite a thing. It looked like the Reds said, well, if he's going to get all those people out, all those strikeouts with his slider, and he loves the slider, he's falling in love with his slider, we're going to sit on his slider. They didn't do a... It wasn't like he was tipping the pitches, but they just seemed the scouting report was sliders early, sliders for out pitches. That's what it looked like for me. I don't know what the talk was after the game. Can you share with the class? No, nah, there wasn't really too much discussion on uh, pitch selection. It was more about uh, the home run ball because uh, Joe had mentioned that it was a kind of a game of the nineteen or the 2019 um, uh, ball, which we assumed to mean the – Titleist ball that is now in, in use, but uh, I think he was mostly talking about the fact that everyone hits a home run now. But uh, uh, to Darvish's credit, you know, he wasn't uh, giving any excuses because the home runs were uh, uh, at least two of them were real shots. So uh, otherwise, you know, he, he did pretty well. Uh, four hits, just that uh, three of them were homers. Hey, Sully, I, I went into the season and I was sort of critical of Theo Epstein and through the first half of the season that he went into the season with sort of an imperfect roster. There were holes in a lot of places, but I have to give him some credit. He did make some moves here uh, before the deadline, and including Castellanos, who's been their best player over the last you know week to 10 days. Are you surprised that the other teams that are in this quote-unquote race, Milwaukee and St. Louis, did very little to improve themselves? I'm sorry, there's a monster truck driving past me. We We thought you were flushing the toilet, Sully. It sounded weird. We're doing inside the outhouse. Lovely downtown Cincinnati. uh, Well, that's a a lie right there. It's not the monster truck. It's the math addicts uh, accosting you every corner. Um, So I'm sorry. What was the the, the question? The the gist of the question was Theo Epstein did some things to help his team at the trading deadline, but Milwaukee and St. Louis really did. I mean, are you surprised? Are you surprised? Um, St. Louis, especially because uh, you know they got the money. I mean, they have uh, they sell out most of their games, and uh, you know at that point uh, they were really starting to rise. In fact, they were. I think they passed the Cubs at that point. Mm -hmm. So uh, they surprised me a lot. Um, I think the Brewers tried to get something, but uh, 
they they're just sticking with their plan of not giving up any of their you know prospects and uh, i can understand them more because that to me even though they do have good attendance it's still kind of a small market team but uh yeah the cubs really should be running away with this division if they were just you know halfway decent on the road talking with paul sullivan chicago tribune cubs and reds and it is uh, the third game today one thing the cardinals did do is they returned um to Bush Stadium, and they wanted their fans to sing happy birthday to their manager, and then they misspelled their manager's name on the message board. Ah, I didn't see that. Yes, they did. So <laughs> so they do that. Um, well, that's the cards. Yeah. The, the cards way. Yeah, the <laughs> cardinal way. The uh, addition of Castellanos has been um, not to be – I mean, it's been terrific. He's that – I don't know what they're going to – this has not been the, the, the best of Jason Hayward. He demanded that – not demanded. He told Joe, if you're going to put me in the leadoff spot, leave me there, which probably went over everybody. Every player gave him an attaboy in the locker room about because the players are lineup eastas just like uh, the fans are. So this addition with this guy hitting right-handers and left-handers has been terrific. Would they have needed him if Albert Almora had hit left-handers this year? Um, I don't know. I think uh, it's also a product of Zobris not being here. Okay. Um, and, you know, Hap starting out in the minors, they definitely did have a a need for, a, you know, a good right-handed hitter against, a, you know, their, their performance this year against lefties not so hot. Uh, the thing with uh, Castellanos is uh, it seems to me like he'd be – better in the leadoff spot right now because you know it's too bad joe kind of promised hayward that he'd leave him there because uh, he's not really you know he's had a couple home runs but uh he's hit like 200 since i think uh since joe did that uh, i think it was like at the end of july um and uh you know joe promised he'd be patient and uh now we'll see how patient he is unless uh hayward snaps out of it uh, that's it just doesn't seem like the right spot for him but, uh, you know, Joe's tried a bunch of different methods, and none of them have worked. So uh, I guess uh, maybe one more before the end of the season. <laughs> hey, Paul, speaking of Joe, uh, the, the question lingering over the season long before the season was he was a lame duck manager going into the season, and it was sort of uh, insinuated win or else. We, now we're six weeks away from the end of the regular season. Has it changed at all? How far does he have to go in the postseason? Does it make any difference? Well, you know, that's the question that we've been talking about since last November when they both decided not to uh, go any further in contract talks. Uh, I don't think we have any answer yet. Uh, it's really the only ones that know are basically probably Theo and maybe Joe. I don't even know if Joe knows. Um, I think the assumption by, by all of us is that they would at least have to go to the World Series to, uh, you know, to be back. But, uh, you know, who knows? The only thing we do... Thing most people are assured of is if they don't make the playoffs, it's you know he's probably gone. But uh, you know it, it's hard to say because we really don't even know what the problem is. I mean, you would think uh, he'd have kind of have a job for life after uh, winning a championship and taking the Cubs to playoff four straight years. But you know there is some disconnect there that no one has ever really offered. So uh, you know we're just going to have to guess. 
Okay, so guess. Uh, my guess is uh, that he's gone. <laughs> I mean, unless they win the World Series. But No, but guess on the disconnect. What What is the reason for the 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 friction? Does it go back to handling the pitching staff in the most important World Series game in Cubs history? Uh, I would guess it has something to do with uh, the communication with the uh, so-called millennials. You know, they remember because Theo made such a big deal out of that at the uh-huh. general manager's meetings when when we talked to him, when they decided not to, uh, you know, go forward with contract negotiations. And Joe basically did what they told him to. He's you know, he's working more with these kids, and uh, they call them kids. They're not kids. They're, you know, Rizzo just turned 30. So, uh, But he is, you know, working with them more. He's, you know, giving them their lineups days in advance as they wanted. Supposedly, they didn't like the idea of not knowing when they're playing till the night before. So he's done all these things that they've asked him to do. Uh, the team is in first place, um, despite, you know, some things that happened this year that, you know, you, you really couldn't plan. But, uh, you know, I think really if you look at it in, in total, uh, it's it's been a successful season. It's just that they're so bad on the road that it, it kind of brings everything down. So, um, you know, a couple of years ago, everyone would be very happy that the Cubs were in first place in August and, you know, ahead of the Cardinals and Brewers and with a bunch of all-stars at almost every position. I mean, they just lucked out kind of picking up Lucroy the other day so they, they definitely have the talent and Theo has made the moves to make the team better with Kimbrell and Castellanos and Lucroy so really there's no excuses uh, for them not to at least win the division and meet the Dodgers in the uh, NLCS Paul, can they beat the Dodgers I don't know about that but it doesn't look like it but you know they should at least get there you just need a couple games that's all you need so all you need is a couple games. They've, Dodgers, well, the have rotation, lost, Dodgers have lost big games. Yeah, and the, and the rotation has been really good, especially yep. in the second half, except for Lester. So, and you know, we've seen Lester do this before, where he has some really bad outings, and I think it was seventeen that he, he had a four plus ERA and pitched well in the uh, short playoffs that they had. But so, uh, you know, we'll see. But. Uh, Definitely the talent is there, and everyone I talk to around the league thinks the Cubs should win the division, no no question. But, it, you know, they haven't proven yet that they can do it. I was I was thinking about the whole lineup Easter thing this week, and essentially Joe Madden called his players lineup Eastas when he tried to make make it put it on the fans and make fun of them for overreacting and all that stuff. He really put it on his players. His players are the lineup Eastas because now they demanded to know three days in advance and they're getting it three days in advance. So he's putting it on his players that way, whether he meant to or not. And I'm sure he didn't mean to, but that's the way it plays out. And I understand Joe's standpoint that he's saying, I need to, to play the way I want to play it. And the players should, they just don't want to come in and, See the names on the whether their names in the lineup or not. I, I got to interject on this one because this thing really irks me. Casey Stengel and every other old time manager is rolling over in his grave when he hears that they have to make lineups three days in advance. That's the most idiotic thing that I've heard in a while. I just don't it's get a, it. It's I understand I, I, the idea of adapting to 
a new generation. But when Joe made, when Joe called out the fans for being lineup beastas, his players are no, the, the players. His are. players are lineup beastas. Hundred percent. He, he was probably calling out the media too because right. we asked him about the lineups. You know, every day we did that with Lou as well, and it, it drove Lou crazy. I think Chicago is a town where uh, we kind of focus on lineups more for some reason. Uh, you know, we post them on the internet as soon as they come out, and uh, it's a, it's a weird thing. You don't really see this in other cities, so uh, I think it's just kind of a Chicago thing. Okay, like not putting ketchup on hot dogs. Yeah, just, yeah. Just, I mean, know, I think Joe. What we don't do. You think, do. Uh, Joe isn't really big on giving the lineups out three days in advance, I don't think. No. But, you know, that's what they wanted, so he did it. I think he's done basically what they've asked him to do. And now the only thing that's left to do is, uh, you know, at least go to the World Series. Uh, this hour is brought to you by Team Hockberg. Visit their new website, 56david.com. That's 56david.com. Let me veer away from the Cubs just for a second here. Uh, one of the big stories over the last couple of days is this Field of Dreams game that's going to be played in Iowa next year between the White Sox and the Yankees. Major League Baseball has not really issued any other details other than the game is going to be there as of right now. How do you anticipate that's going to work out, though, Sully? I mean, there's only going to be 8,000 seats. Are they going to treat this almost like a, an NBA or a, a Major League Baseball All-Star game where Major League Baseball gets 40 or 50% of the tickets and the White Sox are the home team? They're not going to get all that many if it's only 8,000. How do you think this thing's going to work? Uh, poorly. poorly. <laughs> Good answer. Uh, I mean, I haven't heard the ticket prices yet, but you would have to imagine there's only 8,000 seats and this is a, being billed as a, you know, a once-in-a-lifetime event. Or, I don't know, maybe it's an annual every-year event, but it's, it's the first one definitely is going to be a big one, especially with the Yankees there. And then uh, the tickets have to be really, really expensive. And, uh, yeah, I, don't, I was asking uh, one of my friends who cover the Cubs from uh, who, who lives in Iowa, and he's, I said, where do you stay there? <laughs> so there's no hotels near the Field of Dreams for 8,000 people to come in for a night. So uh, I don't know how it's going to work. I think it's, you know, it's a funny little thing that they're doing and everything. And, uh, you know, God bless the White Sox for giving up a home date against the Yankees for an 8,000-seat stadium. But I, I don't know. I mean, I'd rather see a Bull Durham uh game in uh in that old Durham uh, whatever the Durham Bulls Durham stadium. Bulls I think, yeah, that, I think that would be uh, a lot more fun than this well I I we and R rated as well yeah I love the idea that do you think Major League Baseball had in mind to have the a team that threw a World Series face the team that's won the most World Series do you think that'll be a marketing standpoint <laughs> that'd be a branding point I don't know if they're going to market it that way well, the White Sox look, don't seem to be like uh, embracing that part of embracing the uh, Black Sox this is their season that you would do it obviously and uh, they don't seem to be capitalizing on that I guess maybe uh, I don't know embarrassed about it I don't know I'm just asking I, I don't I mean, know because the star, the star player of that movie besides Bert, uh, besides Moonlight Graham is is um, <clears throat> Shoeless Joe Jackson Shoeless Joe. Yeah, yeah so so then Schuster wondered who would be thrown out the first pitch. And I thought Moonlight Graham. Look, if the whole movie is going to be a dream and that, that kind of – then Moonlight Graham can come back. Moonlight Graham can do it. And he thought Kevin Costner, maybe, no, they can't get her. And Ray Liotta, Ray Liotta in his new face. 
got to be a Rod if you're you know talking about you know scandals. The, <laughs> yeah, he'd be he'd be the guy. He'll probably be there. It'll be an ESPN game, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I yeah. Think, yeah. Okay, and a texture suggests that White Sox don't draw eight thousand for their games. So what's the big deal? Well, that's not true. They <laughs> uh, they draw a good twenty twenty five thousand these days. Okay. All right. Nice summer day. Thanks for joining us from the the crackhead streets of Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go duck inside. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Thanks, Charlie. We appreciate it. Thanks, Paul. All right. See you. Paul Sullivan, Chicago Tribune, reporting live from the streets of Cincinnati. Okay. Sounds like a TV show. That's right. The streets of Cincinnati. The streets of Cincinnati. There you go. Uh, okay. That's it. I don't know. We'll come back with stuff before we... Mosey on over. Do transition with uh, Julie and Maggie. I just love the sounds of the street. Those are wonderful interviews. He's Schuster on Rosenblum, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome and welcome back. 125 Saturday afternoon, Saturday suckage, Rosenblum and Schuster. 140, we will talk with uh, Maggie Hendricks, Julie DeCaro. Julie and Maggie will be on at 2 o'clock officially. They'll be doing the their pregame show, our postgame show, at 140 with us. So, we're talking kickers and Ron Rivera calling timeout to give the Bears a chance to see what their kickers do, because he was doing, you know, a solid first former team. We were all wondering up in the press box if it was prearranged between the two coaches. That, you know, and that's at least possible. I don't sure. think they would ever admit to it, but it's at least possible. The, um, <clears throat> the Panthers also had a kicker trying out. Joe, Joey Sly is his name. This is from Jordan Rodrigue. Um, he uh, covers the Panthers. <clears throat> hit his last field goal of the night, a 29-yarder, and said one of his offensive linemen turned around and said, I didn't know you were our kicker. I thought you were a new linebacker. <laughs> An undersized one. Yeah, that's right. Um, so you watch, you as a veteran NBA watcher, Tim Duncan is joining the Spurs, right? Yeah, Greg Popovich is so funny. He's, he's this, just It's he's, only fitting, he said. After I served loyalty for 19 years as Tim Duncan's assistant, that he returns the favor to me. Right. Yeah, I, mean, I he, love that. He loves Tim Duncan, and yeah. for good reason. Sure. I mean, smart, smart guy, good player, won him championships, all that kind of good stuff. But he is, in a comically, uh, comical way, he's denigrating him every chance he gets with the media. Yes. It's pretty funny. Yes, it is. So the um, the... Twins called up a guy named Randy Dobnak. He was in independent ball recently, 
and he claims in his Twitter bio to have a 4.99 out of 5 rating as an Uber driver. Really? <laughs> yeah, that's, and he made, he made his major league debut yesterday against Cleveland. Four innings, six hits, no runs. So he has a 0.0 ERA, Mr. Blutarski. So there you go, Randy Dobnek. <laughs> claiming top tw- top Uber ratings. Well, just in a- case, just in case, uh, you know the uh, the bus driver, whoever's taking them here and there, has right. a Problem. Listen, you got a guy on staff. Do it? Yeah, there you go. You got a guy on staff who can do this. So it's a different version of airplane, right? Can anyone fly this plane? Love that movie. Yes, that was that was spectacular. I saw the original version of of their when they when they started the uh, it was Kentucky Fried Theater was what it was called in L.A. And it was done at what they called equity waivers, always under 100 people. So you could use non-union people. You didn't have to pay union wages and all that kind of stuff. And they were hysterical with all the shorts and the blackouts. And they cobbled all this stuff together about they just put themselves in an airport and they did this. And, and it was wonderful. And they brought the, they brought the comedy instincts with the serious acting out of Robert Stack, <laughs> Leslie Nielsen, and that kind of that kind of seriousness in, in comedies was wonderful. They're the Abrahams and Zucker. Barbara Billingsley. Yes. Will Excuse forever, me. forever be etched in, in comic history for her, what? Excuse me, stewardess. seconds or 60 I speak seconds? jive. <laughs> I wonder how many, how many takes do you think it took her to do that? That's a red I would like to know the answer to that. I'd love to see the outtakes in that oh, one. I would like to know the answer to that. I wonder if she uh, but, you know, fell back into her old uh, thing about Ward, don't be so hard. You know, yeah. Uh-huh, yes, no, probably not that. So Tom Savage got hurt in last night's game with the Lions. They're going to work out. Josh Johnson and Landry Jones. The only other quarterback they have on the roster behind Matt Stafford is David Fales. That's why you work out other quarterbacks. That's a bear sick. We have not found out what David Fales does for a living. Well, but his name is perfect. Um, they were booing the other night when the Bears missed that first field goal attempt. Yes. And that was nothing compared to apparently what happened in the Lions game the other night that the crescendo of booze from the entire Silverdome uh-huh. was so, I mean, the, basically the Lions are ready for the regular season because their fans can't stand them already. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's perfect. And now they're, yes, now they're going. The, so in a, in a, it, it sort of a, it happened last Saturday, and it was sort of the payoff. You'll understand this if you're a Cubs and White Sox fan. <clears throat> the Blue Jays and the Astros, we sort of got an early scorecard early checklist of a trade. Joe Biagini, former Blue Jay, locked down the eighth inning. The first six were thrown by Aaron Sanchez, and they were part of a combined no-hitter that the Astros threw. Sanchez was traded for a guy named Derek Fisher, not the basketball player. And Derek Fisher took a ball in the face. He dropped a routine fly ball. So those are Jays. Now, that might not be... Eloy Jimenez hitting a game-winning homer for the Sox against the Cubs. But Blue Jays fans can see it from here. (laughs) 
There's a thing. Uh, The bottom of the hour brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. Your Western Conference champion Wolves will open the season Saturday, October 5th. For group and season tickets, visit ChicagoWolves.com. Also brought to you by the Chicago Dogs. Get in the game with the Chicago Dogs baseball tonight with the best post-game fireworks in Chicago and tomorrow with pre-game autographs on Family Sunday. Tickets at TheChicagoDogs.com. The Chicago Dogs. Baseball with everything. So bet online has uh, win totals, had some win totals out. The Clippers This are, is already? Yeah, of course. Wow. You never, it's never too early for futures bets. Clippers, 55 and a half. That's the number. Overs, unders. They're the winningest team, according to Bet Online. Just ahead of Milwaukee, 54 and a half. Philadelphia, 53 and a half. Utah, 52 and a half. The Bulls, you ask, and even if you didn't, I was going to tell you. 30 and a half. Exactly. I think I did see this. Exactly. Six fewest wins ahead of Washington at 28 and a half, but behind Atlanta and OKC at 32 points. All right, so what do you think? So what do you think of 35, 30 30 and a half wins for your Bulls? They won, what, 21 or 22 last year? They weren't trying to win. They were better. They weren't trying to win? No. No, they weren't trying to win. Of course not. They weren't trying to win the last two years. Uh, this year, I think they'll be Wait, a did John Paxson lie to us? He never. He, he said he said last year was last year. He's two years ago after two seasons. They he never s- want to go through that. They again. So started you're saying they, they lied to us. Started to try and win, and then when it became pretty obvious that they weren't going to, and they had a you know assortment of injuries, and then they pulled some guys out of their Windy City team that you know even a basketball junkie barely knows. No, they were not at the end of the season trying to win games. I'll just leave it at that. Um, 30 and a half. I'm going to go over. I am. Why? Why? Because I think the, their free agent signings, and even though there, maybe some people won't think Gaga over any of them, I think they helped. Everybody seems to love the, the sleeper of Sadoransky. Sadoransky is a good player. By the way, when he played at the United Center last year, John Wall went down with injury, and Sadoransky played. He was the best player on the court that individual night. And uh, I saw a bunch of games with him playing. He's, he's pretty decent. More than pretty decent. He's a pretty he's good player. Pretty decent. He's pretty decent. There's a marketing campaign. All right, whatever. The kids can play. Um, so, yeah, I think he helps. I think Thaddeus Young, who unfortunately was just cut by the U.S. whatever world team, so he'll be back here in Chicago. Was he really? Shortly. Yeah, he was cut last night after their scrimmage. I did not know that because mm-hmm. there's not that's very little all the, all news the, on it. All the good players already cut themselves. <laughs> they didn't show up, so to be cut by a team, there's that's still not there's good. still some good players on the team, but. Uh, he was there probably for the same reason he's here with the Bulls. Veteran leadership, um, you know, can play here, there, whatever, um, but obviously not good enough. So he's being replaced by one of the players from the select team, which is basically the junior varsity, and uh, he'll be home here probably very shortly. But anyway, I think Doesn't he'll... sound like a real... I, like I think he'll help the impactful Bulls. Impactful player. Well, but he's, you know, again, got to remember what John Paxson said he wanted to add. Besides Sadoransky, who's still probably in the prime of his career. Thaddeus Young may not be in the prime of his career anymore, but he's been around for a while. What is it, eight, nine, ten years in the league? Started most of that time, more than just a serviceable player. Will bring veteran mentorship to the locker room and can play probably either the, uh, the four and the five. So he'll help out. He's not the second coming of anybody, but he's, he'll help out. And then their draft picks, 
yeah, you know, I'm more excited, honestly, about their second-round draft pick than I am about their first-round draft pick. Um, you know, but they couldn't believe that their first-round draft pick fell to them. Because they didn't think any point guard would still be available at number seven. They, they thought that all three of those kids would be off the board. Minnesota decided to go in a different direction. I think a lot of people thought that Minnesota, who was drafting in front of them, mm-hmm. would draft a point guard. They did not. And so he was available. And Kobe White, no matter what anybody else says, is a project. And what I mean by a project, you just don't know what he ultimately is going to do for you in the NBA. He's got physical talent, obviously. He's got great size at 6'5". His afro makes him about 6'8", but he's 6'5", legitimately. He can, he can speed up and down the court. He's not normal, or he, I shouldn't say... I should say, rather, that he's not a natural point guard. He'd never played point guard growing up until finally he got to college last year. So it's going to be a real transition for him to learn not only the NBA game, but the NBA game as a point guard. Again, he's got incredible potential up and down the court real quickly, can shoot pretty decently, at least he did in college so far in whatever small experience in the NBA. He hasn't proven it yet, but time will tell. And then, you know, the kid that got in the second round actually I think is going to get a lot of playing minutes because with Lopez gone, there's just going to be minutes at, at, at the center position. So I'm going a long, windy answer to saying why I think they're going to go over 30 and a half. And more than anything else, the Eastern Conference is going to be even worse, I think, overall this year than it was last year. Yes, there's some teams at the top, Milwaukee being one of them. Toronto obviously is not the same team anymore. It goes without saying. Um, what else? I you, you get to face the Knicks at least twice, so that's two automatic wins. So bottom line is, I, I'm sarcastic with that last uh, point, but they'll go over 30 and a half. At least I think they will. There are, even though they have the six fewest wins, there are um, the, these six teams below them because the Mem- Memphis and New York Knicks are slotted at 27.5, according to Bet Online. Not much difference. Yeah, so the, the Wizards, the Knicks, the Cavs, and the Hornets... Hornets are the bottom Michael Jordan's Hornets are the team listed with the fewest potential wins, fewest over and under, the lowest over and under 23 and a half. What are the Lakers? The Lakers are... The Lakers. They're not on the list. They, don't, they didn't <laughs> they, make They've it. left the NBA? 51 and a half. Okay. Same as Houston. So, but behind Utah. So those games at the Staples Center between the Lakers and the Clippers all season long. Yep are really going to be for the Western Conference Championship. Well, Utah might have something to say about it. Okay. I I think one of those two teams from L.A. comes out of the Western Conference as of this point, barring injury. Well, we'll look forward to seeing whether you're right and see if the Bulls are trying to lose again and see if they can stay healthy. They haven't. They've had themselves some trouble with that. Yes, and that's obviously factors into whether they go over or under that number. If they stay healthy and these kids in the draft and, and the free agents all help out and everything is positive, which it hasn't been for a long time, then yes, I do believe they'll go over 30 and a half. All right. We are going to go over to talk to Julie and Maggie after we take this break. Saturday Suckage, Rosenblum and Schuster, Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. I'm just fired up to be here today. It's pretty cool. Pretty damn cool. Woo! So that's not us. That's not us being fired up to be here today. We are Saturday Suckage. We could have real jobs. That'd be worse. It is. I yeah. know. I'm, well, I, I guess I should speak for the audience. The audience is not thrilled that we were there. It's not our audience speaking. I like our it. I like is, being here. But our audience know. is mad at us for, um, I don't know, just discussing the fact that Joe Madden could be fired. And oh, it I was, talked about that last night. People took it pretty well. Well, I, we though. have a texture. We have a texture. This is no, and and uh, you've got to be crazy to do something like that. And then we talked about lineup beastas, and I said basically when Madden called out fans, mm-hmm. he called out his own players as being lineup beasts. It's the yeah. second time he's done it too. I right. mean, yeah. He but did my, it using fans. that phrase and trying to make fun of the media, Sully said the media, as well as fans and people who go nuts. Those are his players. And also Theo Epstein, who yes. talked about it at the end of last season. Yeah, that was a very roundabout way to talk about your boss and the people you're overseeing. Well, he did it again which with is, management, just like yeah. no one else understands. You people aren't baseball managers. You don't know what I'm trying to do. Of moves we made. Moves we did make. Moves we could make. So Sully couldn't say, not that he would know which way it's going to go and what the minimum postseason requirement is for Madden to return. But what would you... The story is open about what you would suspect why. Why wouldn't he return? So what's your best guesses? I think it's 50-50 right now, and I think the Cubs want a manager who is a little bit more malleable, who uses the team in the bullpen the way they want it to be used. Which Which is how? What do you mean? By I mean that? I don't Which is what the 200 pages a day that they print out of probabilities and drop on his desk oh, that tell you to nonsense. do. I mean, I, don't, I, I, think that, I don't think that the players react very well to the in and out of the lineup thing. I don't think, and the players were vocal about that last year at the end of the year. I don't think they like that. I don't think they necessarily like the way he uses the bullpen. 
Um, stuff like bringing Carlos Gonzalez in and saying he's a pinch hitter and then having Joe run him out there as a starter all the time. I think that kind of stuff. I mean, I don't know what the relationship is between the front office and Joe, but it feels like from some of Theo Epstein's comments that there's a little bit of a disconnect there. I think this is the oldest baseball story in the book. You know, when you're expected to win multiple win, uh, world championships, they won the one, of course, and it hit, you know, they haven't gotten back to the top of the mountain since management is going to take a look and say, well, what can we do? I mean, we've done whatever moves we can make, and at some point the move to make is to change the manager. And I think that's exactly what this will boil down to. If they don't win, you're going to get a new manager. It's just that simple. You know, I was going to ask you ladies uh, what, what really irks me when it comes to the lineups and the players. I just don't understand. Why does a player have to know three days in advance where he's going to play? Because players are ritual-based people, and they like knowing exactly what they are. That's three days in advance. Ritually, you should come to the ballpark every day and hope to be in the starting line. That's not how they are. That's well, not they're and spoiled brats. Are you a spoiled brat for wanting to know your schedule a week in advance so that you could plan every... Like I'm not a baseball player. You're if right. I, so you I don't have to, you don't player, have to physically... You have no... You don't have to do all the physical preparations that they have to do. It's not the, it's not the same job, you're right, but they have, to do, they have to go through physical preparations. They have to go through all kinds of reading. And all those stats, which you call our garbage, are Theo Epstein loves. What? You, you, you talk, they talk have to care pitch, about that. Pitching reports or hitting reports Yes, or they have to care about they that. They should do that every day anyway. I mean, here's the thing. If you want to talk about analytics, I mean, there was no reason that Mike Montgomery should have been pitching against lefties. Ever. He was brutal against lefties. All the stats bear that out. But he was used like a loogie. I didn't understand that at all. And, for, and, and I think there's been a lot of things. I mean, Joe Madden, to me, has never been a great in-game manager. Um, but some of the moves he's made this year, I think the fans are right to question, and I think the front office probably has issues with some of it, too. Oh, I'm not debating that whatsoever. Believe me, I, I, I sit there every single game and say, what the heck did he just do? So I, I have plenty of issues with Joe Madden. Some have worked, some have not. We can go all the way back to the World Series, of which we don't want to do. But I was just talking more so in this instance, Maggie, about I just don't understand why a player has to know, well, I'm going to play have third you, base on Thursday when it's Monday. I just don't get it. Have you asked them any? I mean, you're around them enough. Yeah, we ask them. And, and I, they, they basically, unless they're keeping it a secret, they say, well, you know, the manager makes the thing and we just go along with it. So no, I don't so know. They're, they're not being honest is what, what well, I'm Well, yeah. I mean, they're not, they're not going to say every. I just, I like, I am someone who likes, like right now, I do not know exactly what stories I'm going to write next week. And it is driving me insane. I am a planner. There's a lot of type A people on baseball teams, too. So a lot of them are going to care about what you're doing on Monday, what you're doing on Tuesday, how you physically prepare, how you mentally prepare. And if you're playing second base one game and then you're expected to be in the outfield another game, that's different preparations. Well, with Joe Madden, I can almost understand that because he does play musical chairs with the different positions. And I so I do slightly understand that. But for something that has worked in baseball for, what, a hundred and some odd years? Why all of a sudden do guys need to know three days in advance? Listen, if you're not an everyday player, usually at the end of the week, someone's going to get rested and you're going to get into the lineup. Now, again, with Joe Madden, when he uses 25 players as much as he does, maybe there's a little bit more uh, reasoning behind this. But in general, I'm going to be honest with you, I just don't get it. I th- I actually think the Cubs, with having him send out the lineups for the whole series, I think they addressed the wrong problem. I don't think the players necessarily wanted to know three days in advance. I mean, maybe they did where they were playing, but I think the bigger issue was that I, I think a lot of players weren't able to get into any kind of rhythm because they were in and out, in and out, in and out of the lineup. And I think that was the bigger issue. 
Okay, well, that's interesting. Uh, and, and that might very well be the reason behind all that. They believe that what they did, the, that, that past performance is a predictor of future performance, meaning what they did yesterday should determine whether they get in the lineup tomorrow. But that, but that goes the, against it. No, it runs. They have different versions of that. The players believe if I got two hits today, I should be in the lineup tomorrow. Right. And the past performance as a predictor in the analytics says you're not going to get two hits against this guy. You're not playing, whoever the starting pitcher is. All right, but they, they went against it earlier this season. I mean, when Zobris was on the team before he you know, uh, left the team in May, he, uh, somebody had a really good game. I can't remember. It was, pro- it was David Bodie. He had the seven yeah, RBI it. game. And then uh, Zobris was scheduled to be in the lineup the next day, and Zobris went to Madden and said, you know what, he, he's coming off a seven RBI game. He should be in the lineup the, you know, this day. So I don't know. Maybe I for mean, some players, people it works. Players I don't know. believe in hot streaks, and Joe yeah. doesn't. I mm-hmm. mean, and that's probably a big source of the conflict. I mean, and, you know, and I wonder, because we've seen one through five pretty consistently lately, and I wonder if, where that came from, because I feel like this is the first Jason time we've seen that recently, you know, in, in a while, where we've seen the exact same top five every day. Did that come he, from the front office? He went through something like that. The, first, the most significant thing he did when he got here was that August series against the Giants when he benched Starlin Castro and said, it, it matters from here on out. Mm. And they swept the Giants and never looked back and won the, went to the wild card. That was the most significant part because then it was for keeps. He spent the first four months playing toy soldiers, moving them all over the place. Then it was regular, and it was much more regular unless he saw a matchup he really liked. But I think that's... That's been his pattern when he gets to August. If it's big boy time, then it's big boy time for the lineup. Well, that's interesting in itself because then everything should be as important the whole season, not just starting August on. And didn't Theo Epstein say that we should have, you know, be ready to go right out of the gate? Yes, and everything October should be the begins same. in March or okay, something like something that. Okay, something along. October. I don't know. March is, yeah. March is April. And Jerry Mathers is the beaver. <laughs> So, Whatever yeah. it was, it obviously didn't stick. Yeah. Yeah. But, that was, but he's always it used, he's shirts. always been more likely to move, to play the Toy Soldiers game early on and less likely to do it because he spent the four months getting answers. And one reason he would do it for those four months, despite what, and maybe that's a sticking point with Theo and Je, um, Joe, the front office and management. Maybe they don't, they don't, they want the versatility, but they don't want to have it experience it every game because Theo made a point of saying don't give games away and he was talking about the manager too as well as the players in winning the third game of a series to sweep it as opposed to believing two out of three ain't bad the way Joe will cite meatloaf like that that could be a sticking point too when I asked you earlier about whether he stays or he goes if he goes what would it be what would be the major reasons that because this is this is Theo's be, this is Theo's him and Theo. I honestly I think it would be I think it would be some like these sticking points and I, and I honestly think it comes down to Theo is very type A. Joe is very not. And so I I like that is a hard situation to make work for a long for a long time when you're not winning world championships. But there's balance there. Balance is the key to life. See? Yeah, but you don't want to go to work necessarily every day with someone that balances you out. It's exhausting. (laughs) Balance is the key to life. Is that a fortune cookie? Balance balance is is the key to life. Yeah, that's it. Do you hate it when you get a fortune cookie? When it's convenient. 
that's you get a fortune cookie that like that that's not really a fortune. It's just advice. Right. I hate that. No, I don't. And and the numbers don't matter on the back. No. They always right. give me lucky numbers. No. That's Pete, not. Pete got one the other day that said like something like long walk for you. No, it's. I want. I want specific walk for you. You will find love on Flag Day. That kind of thing. You're, just, yeah. See, that's the kind of new star. I'm with Parker. Is that a, is that that a traditionally the Simpsons, romantic the time? Joke. You will find love on Flag Day. Yep. Okay. I just get upset when fortune cookies are stale. That's you a, ever had a blank oh, one? That's, a real, that's the a worst. Blank? I got a blank oh, fortune cookie. That's that like would a, worry me. That's like an oyster without a pearl. That's that would. Right. That would. That well. That would like concern That'd me. Like quite the message. Am I? What? I opened it. I was like, "Am I glad? <laughs> like, what happened? I am fortuneless. I mean, we work in radio, so we are. But, oh my gosh, that is scary. <laughs> All right, we will thank people for being here. Thank you mostly, to Julie and Maggie, for saying, getting us out of here so our radio audience can go the back. Best to normal segment life. was the last segment. Right, Mark Grody, Melissa Isaacson. She wrote a book, State. Go buy it on Amazon. Paul Sullivan was here. Zach Withers and Mike Chen produced this. David Schuster, thanks for coming in and making Saturday Suckage all it could be. I live up I'm to Steve it. I'm Steve Rosenblum. We are Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. It wouldn't have been possible if we weren't here to be told how much we suck. So, kudos to you guys for sucking as bad as we do. Oh, yes. Wait a minute, Mr. Post. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, yeah. That's it. Now, with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.